Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, and grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And two weeks ago, we, we opened up this book and we started with the introduction of Paul writing to this church, this church that he had started himself. And we read that in back in Acts chapter 16 of how he had tried to go to several places. The angel stopped him. The Lord stopped him. There was a man in his dream that said, hey, come here. He comes over there, starts. This is the first church in Europe that Paul started. Um, this is a church that he had gone through many struggles with. I mean, remember, he gets there. He meets Lydia. Lydia comes to know the Lord. He gets um, frees a, a girl from demon possession. He gets thrown in jail because, you know, he stole somebody's um, ability to make money off of this girl. There's an earthquake. The jailer gets saved. His whole family gets saved. And now there's a church that's birthed in this city. He offers grace and peace to them because he, he loves them. And it's a church that he has started, and as, as this love fest has, has continued to grow between the two of them, even as he's continued to go on different missionary trips, as he's continued to go to different churches in the area, this church has had such a great love that they, that they aspire to be part of what Paul was doing. And they give money to him, and they, they've provided money to him, wherever that he's at. Yes, Paul was a tent maker. Paul was able to provide for himself, but when he was able to then receive this money, he was able then to take a break from having to do that job and just fully invest his time into whatever the Lord had called him to do in that city of where he was at. As he is is praying for them, they also are praying for him. That wherever that he is at, that, that they just want the Lord to be able to be a part of what he is doing and as, that the Holy Spirit would be there with him. And, and he, the same thing, every, upon every remembrance of you, I just continue to pray that God would work wonderful things in your life. You just see a great fellowship and a great love between the two that as he writes this, it's not like the normal, he's not, he's not correcting something within the church here. There's not gross problems as we've just recently seen in the Corinthian church when Pastor Don was going through that. He's not, he's not correcting problems. This is an encouragement. This is a thank you. This is a warning. Hey, just be careful of these things that might come up, pop up within your church. Gosh, I love you guys and I miss you so much. It's, it's Pastor Don's video this morning of just, gosh, man, I, I miss you guys. It's been months since I've seen you and, and man, I, I, I can't, I can't wait to see you and man, I'm hoping to see you. And I mean, it's just that love that's, I'm praying for you. Be praying for me. And it's, it's the same love that you see with Paul. Paul continues on in verse three and says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace." For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And again, as we, we start off in verse 3, and, and Paul says here, says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. 
And in the introduction that I just did, I, I think that we understand what he's talking about. As, as every, as he's just, as he's going through his day, as, as somebody else says something, man, it just kind of reminds me of that church in Philippi. The same thing happens with me as, as the last three years we've gone down to the Dominican Republic. I, I can just, there's just certain things that might just happen that day that just cause me to have a remembrance of them. Of Pastor Julio or, or of Carlos or, or of the team that I went over there with down in Summit. Of, of Evan and of Joey and of, of Amy. And, and, and just, and of Amber, of just, of just the, the, just the fellowship and the bond. It just brings a smile to my face and, and then it makes you have a desire just to, to kind of be praying for them. Lord, I don't know what they're going through right now, but gosh, I really hope that they're doing well. And that God, that you would just continue to, to grow that church down in the Dominican and that they would say, stay strong and that, you know, it's just every remembrance that comes to my mind. I just think of them and, and I thank God of, uh, upon my every remembrance of you. Why? Because in verse four, he says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. And see, it's not a, it's not a labor that he's doing this. It's not out of, out of a, a, you know, that he's got a checklist and I have to pray for this person on Monday and I have to pray for this person and, and man, I, I, I've, I gotta do this. No, it's, it's out of joy. Why? I just, I just love to do it. It's an, it's actually, to me, it's an, it's an honor to be able to pray for them. I count it as honor that I have the, the privilege of knowing those people. Those people have made my life better. I think Paul would say the same thing about this church, and obviously it's just church about Paul, is that, man, they, he's, they've made my life better. I'm a better person because of my relationship with them. He considered it a, a privilege. Why? Because, well, Paul was a praying man, and, and you see this a lot like with Jesus, and we saw this with James also as we had just done the book of James, is, is you know, great men, great women pray. I, I want you to know that. Great men and great women of the faith pray. They are known for that. I think it was asked of Billy Graham one time if, if there's anything that you could have changed. Now, this is a man, Billy Graham, who had gone to nations around the world, met almost every world leader, and presented the gospel to billions probably. I think literally billions. What's the one thing that you would change in your life? Billy Graham, I, I would pray more. What? I mean, you, you've done more for in, in presenting the gospel than even Paul. I mean, just billions of people that have actually had the opportunity to give their hearts to the Lord because of you, because of the work that the Lord has done. And you say, man, I, I, would, I would just pray more. Why? Because he is a man in his life. He looks back and goes, maybe he looked at it and goes, there's a lot of my flesh and the abilities of things that I did. But man, later in my life, I realized, man, it's not about me. It's only about what can be actually happen in the Spirit, in, in the Word of God, and, and through the Lord. And as I go to before him, before him, I know that, man, it's not it's not flesh and blood that's doing the battle. I look at it as God and the Spirit that's doing the battle. Is it a wonder that the Lord used Paul the way that he did is, as he is, is up early in the morning, probably like Jesus, up late at night, just like as we see with Jesus, and just having that fellowship with the Lord and just praying and asking God to do just wonderful things. Again, we can sit there and pray and, and, and hope that something will happen. But man, when we place it in God's hand, anything can happen. I mean, he, it, God's economy is completely different from ours. You may look at it and go, man, well, my life, man, I've only got a couple fish, Kevin, and a couple loaves. I really can't do anything with it. Well, that's the whole point, isn't it, Christian? 
Because see, if I look at my own abilities and say, well, I've got $5, this is all that I can possibly do. Well, now I've kind of put God within a box. And God says, I can do so much more with $5. Why? Because I've got this money coming in from this person. I have this person going to donate something here. And now all of a sudden your ministry is blown up and grown. Why? Because of this, the abilities of what God has sat there and looked at you and said, that's the heart that I want. I want your heart. I want your ability. I want, I want just a man of God or a woman of God that's just willing to give me their heart. And then I will take the glory and show everything that I'm possibly able to do through you and that nobody will be able to get, take credit for for it but myself it's god that says i'm the one who provides i want to do so much through you but christian i need your heart i need your heart today as you're as you're walking through your struggles of what you're going through and i need your your heart today as you look at your your medical conditions and i need your heart today with even with the great abundance that maybe you have within your bank account christian i need your heart and you look at Paul and as a man that, that just had struggled as we talked about two weeks ago of, of him just doing it within the flesh and within the Jewish customs and the Pharisee of Pharisees and, and just, man, I am able to do it. If anybody's got a, a, a testimony or a resume, man, Paul had it. But when you look at it and go, well, that was Paul's resume. Paul was only able to do so much. But then when you take Paul and he flips and he turns 180 and all of a sudden he realizes, but it is Jesus. And then, poof, Paul's ministry blows up. The amazing things that Paul was able to do and then taking not just the gospel away from, he was the one that introduced it to the Gentiles and said, look, this is where God's leading me. God had me over here with, with the Jews and now, man, I can't even, I can't get along with them. They don't, they don't trust me. They don't like me. And, and I think God is, is opening the door for me here to be able to do something amazing. God has opened the door to the Gentiles and I want to take it to them. Well, what's the result of that? 2,000 years of just incredible evangelism to us. We have now been grafted within that tree to be able to have the gospel to us. We get to take in the glory of God because of Jesus Christ. Because of what Paul was able to do within his ministry and bring it to us. Was that because of Paul's unbelievable abilities? Well, some of it was. God had brought him up specifically, I think, through those teachers to have a complete understanding of what the Old Testament was and the learning so that he then would be able to have debates and have a clear view as far as the understanding of then to be able to write most of the New Testament for us to take in. What, what was needed, though, was Paul's heart. And then Paul realizes that becomes humble. And as, as I get older and older, I become more and humble. Why? Because I really realize... I can't, I cannot do it on my own. I'm so inadequate in my knowledge. I'm so inadequate in my, my feelings. I'm so inadequate in just my flesh. I just need more and more God. And it's not a point where I look at it and go, well, well, you're just looking for a, a crutch is what the world would say. Kevin, well, Christians, they just need a crutch. They need a God. They need somebody to help them through. Well, I don't need a crutch. I, I need a savior. I'll agree with you on that. I, I need God. And if you justify it in your own pride that I need a crutch for them, whatever, call it whatever. I need God. You're right. I can't do this. I don't know how you guys are, but I, I can't do it on my own. And Paul sits there and looks at it and he, every remembrance that he has of this church and he, he just sees the, the wonderfulness of what they do. And he says, oh, what joy that I have. And joy is the second part of the, of the fruit of the Spirit and it's love joy. And it's joy here is a, is a gladness. 
And this is a reoccurring theme that you'll see within this book of just the joy. You'll see it in, in 118, Philippians 118, 22, 219, 2.28, 3.1, 4.1, 4.4. It's just a constant, it's just a joy that he has. He has a joy in the Lord. He has a joy within this church. I mean, we'll see also within just this chapter, Christ or the mentioning of Christ is 21 times. 21 times he talked about Christ within just the first chapter of this, of this book, this letter. I mean, there's a bond here. There's a, there's a joy. Where does that joy come from? It doesn't come from Paul's own abilities. It comes from Jesus Christ. Why? Because again, we saw Paul was just a, a mean man before. And he was a bad man, you know? And then he gets saved and all of a sudden there's this, it just gets released from him. And wow, there's such a, a joyful heart and just a loving spirit and just a kind man. Where did that come from? Well, it comes from Jesus Christ. Paul moves on in verse 5 and he says, For for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, I thank my God of every remembrance of you for your fellowship in the gospel. This word fellowship here is, is, as you know it is, is kononia. It's it's sharing things in common with others. That's what fellowship is. It's It's just sharing things in common with others. You might see that on, on Sundays, typically in football season. There's a, there's a fellowship of football fans as 80,000 people, you know, will have fellowship over watching a football game. Well, here it's a little bit different because it's, here it's used as an intimate bond of fellowship, which unites Christians. It's an intimate bond. You guys know what I'm talking about. The intimate bond that you have with other, like I can, I can meet somebody at the auction and just have a talk with them. And then all of a sudden I find out that they're a Christian. And all of a sudden, just the, just the conversation changes. Why? It's a little bit deeper. There's a little bit more, a little more something else that we can talk about. There's a little bit more trust level. There's a little bit, just something different between when I meet a Christian as opposed to just somebody in the world. A Christian fellowship is the mutual beneficial relationship between Christians who can't have the identical relationship with those outside of the faith. And you say, well, Kevin, that sounds a little harsh, man, because, you know, I've got some friends that, yeah, they're not believers, but man, we've got, we've got a great friendship. Oh, and you do. I've got friends. I'm not telling you again. We talked about that in James. It says, it doesn't say that you're not supposed to be friends with the world. It's, it's the friends with the world though. I have friends that are not Christians. I agree with that. Why? Because there's no way that they're going to know the Lord without a, maybe a relationship with me. And then they get to see that, that intimate relationship I have with Jesus. And then as things happen in their life, I'm able to then to be able to be that minister of God that God called me to be with them. So I'm not saying you don't have, but there is a difference, is it not? The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. You know, that's, that's very important. It's not just important within a marriage, but also within your friendship. I mean, it's a little hard to, to have a deep conversation with somebody when you know that they're not on the same level playing field. Why? Because well, I, I want godly spiritual advice that's going to take me to the Lord, not somebody who says, Hey, well, Kevin, you know what? Man, forget it. Let's just go down to the, the British pub down here and just, let's just drink away our sorrows, man. It's gone. You know what? I mean, let's deal with it tomorrow. What? I mean, that's, that's not the kind of friendship that I'm looking for. But when I have a, a godly relationship, then man, man, can I, can I give you some advice here? You know, the Bible says this. And now all of a sudden this person's bringing me to the word of God. And then he's, you know, let's, let's pray about this. And do you mind if I continue to pray for you through this week? And all of a sudden I've got somebody that's coming alongside of me. It's bringing me to the word of God. He's praying for me. He's calling me up. Hey man, how, how are things going? How, how are you doing? 
I mean, you see the difference between the two? Now all of a sudden I've got a godly relationship. And so why? Because it's just a little bit different. Not a little bit different. It's a lot different, isn't it? Why? Because I've got somebody that's, that's just coming within my life. Why? Because we are, we are united by God through the spirit of, through his spirit. Well, how is our fellowship different? Let's turn over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. You guys have heard me say too before that, you know, really, we're only friends in this room because of God, right? I mean, most of us wouldn't know each other. I wouldn't know my wife if it hadn't been for God, right? I mean, my kids wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. Okay, let's continue on that line. But, but I mean, we never would have met each other, whether if I wasn't a Christian or she wasn't a Christian. Our past just wouldn't have passed. And so as, as friendships, I wouldn't know Steve if it wasn't for the Lord. I wouldn't know Jeremy if it wasn't for the Lord. I mean, just these, these friendships that we count on, that we have, are only here. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and because of our faith within the Lord. John 17, verse 1, and this is now Jesus praying. This is just before, as we've gone through Easter, this is just before Easter time, okay? Um, Easter for us. So it's Christ now praying. He's gone away. He's going to pray to, to the Lord. So Christ prays for himself. He says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also may be glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you, as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given to me. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So as this one here, as I'm bringing you here first, is as you can see, there's a, there's a relationship, there's a fellowship between God and Jesus that is unbelievable. Okay, now you say, well, Kevin, he's God. I mean, isn't it kind of, how do you explain that? Well, there's still a hierarchy here. He's still Jesus, the Son of God. He is still submitting to the Father. How does that work? I don't understand it. I'll just tell you right now. Because they're all three God, right? There's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are equal, right? But for some reason, how it works out, they submit to God the Father. How does that work? Well, in here, he's saying, look, God, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm submitting. Why? Because I can't wait then to go back to have that fellowship that we've always had. So Jesus is sitting there looking and praying to God and saying, look, now is my time. I'm going to I'm going to glorify you. And I pray that these will come along and be able to glorify you just as I have. There's a fellowship that you get to see here between he and God as he is submitting to him. Well, now we get to move on. You move over to verse uh, 20, same chapter, chapter 17, verse 20. He moves on. He prays for the disciples, which is which obviously we know why he had to, because there was a lot that was about to happen. And then we move on to verse 20. Now he's going to be praying for all the believers. He says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about the disciples, but also for, also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they will have, that they will, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe in them, that may believe that you sent me and that the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect, that means complete, in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. Now, it sounds like a tongue twister there, does it not? So what he's saying there, he's saying, look, what my desire is, man, I just want them and I want the world just to have a relationship with you the way that I do. 
and the way that these disciples do. I just, I just pray that man, as the disciples go out and they have this word and that many come to know you, that man, they'll just have a great relationship and a fellowship with you. That's the desire. So as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, he knows that what's about to happen. He knows he's about to be betrayed. And as we went through Easter, he's going to go to the cross for us. He's saying, look, as these disciples go out, man, I want them to be able to glorify you just like I have. And I want them to have a wonderful relationship with you. I want them to have a fellowship with you. And well, that's what we have today. As we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, or last four weeks, is, is when Jesus went to heaven, remember that veil was torn from the top to the bottom? Well, that's so that it gives us the authority, not the authority, the ability to come within the presence of God. So that as I'm able to now, where it was the Holy of Holies, and there was no way I was allowed to go in there. Why? Because, boom, I'm gone. I just, I cannot be in front of, God can't have a sinful thing in front of him. So he's just going to, Kevin's gone. He's out of here. He's gone. He's vanished. But now that that veil is torn, now when we pray in the morning, when we pray on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, when we prayed before the service, at the end we'll pray again. As you guys go home tonight, when we pray and when James prayed and when Paul, we're able to come before the presence of God and just have a time of fellowship with him. We're able just to lay our hearts there and before God and, and just be able to have one-on-one conversation. Do you realize that's what all of eternity wanted to have? They wanted to have that. We have complete access to God anytime we want. All of history. You'll read all through this, all through the Old Testament. And they were so worried that they were going to mispronounce or misspell God's word that they would like, literally, they would, they would write a letter. They would go get cleansed. They would come back. They would write another letter. They were just so nervous. And we have complete access. We have complete fellowship to be able to come before God. That's incredible. And I mean, that's, that's what true fellowship is, to be able to come in before God and just lay down our petitions before Him. And remember, Paul had started this church, and so as he's, he's coming to them and he's brought the gospel to them, he's brought this ability to this church to now have fellowship with God. Well, we see this in Acts 2 as well. We talked a couple times over that the last couple of weeks of the early church of just that fellowship. Why did they have that fellowship? Only because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as they get together, they get together, they, they break bread, they say, hey, we're going to have dinner at Steve's tonight. The next night, hey, we're going to be over at the Wiseman's house. Hey, the next day, we're going to be over at the Sullivan's house. Why? Because we're just, we're just getting together, man. We're going to break some bread. We're going to sing some worship songs. We're going to have just some fellowship and prayer. Man, we're just going to have a blast. Really? Where are we going to do it after that? We're going to go to, to Kelly and Scott's house. Oh man, that's awesome. I can't wait to see you guys there. Hey man, have a great one. And again, the only reason that we have that fellowship is why? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he, he bonds us together and he brings us together as one so that we're just one big family. And you look around and you say, well, there's some in this family I don't really you know, want to hang out with all of Well, that's family, isn't it? I mean, isn't every family like that? We're kind of like, ooh, he's here this year. You know, I mean, it's just that just happens at Christmas time. You have those awkward conversations, right? And you're like, hey, yeah. Um, I don't know what to talk about because we don't ever see you and I'm usually happy with that, you know, and, and so it's, it's just that, you know what I mean? I, too real? Too real for you guys this morning? So we'll back up a little bit. So anyways, so we get to share in each other's lives. So that's the next part. We get to share, get to share in each other's lives. I mean, that means that, that as, as hard times come, we just, we just bond together as family does. Why? Because that awkward person that you're like, ah, man, I don't really want to talk to this dude. But when it comes down to something, he's family. You're like, dude, what, what do you need? 
We're, we're there. You, you got to move right now? Let's go. Let me call the boys and we'll be over there in a second. If you're going through a hard time, I'm there. Why? Because you're family. And as we get into this room this morning and as we've shown in the past, as a family, that's just what we do. As a family, we bond together and we come together. We're praying for you others and we have dinners together. There's crying together. And the Philippian church, they did this for Paul. And as, as we continue to see this, just the provisions that they've given Paul. Just the, the prayers that they've offered for Paul. And it's, it's why it's because they wanted to share within something that Paul was doing. They were excited about it. And they prayed for him. And Paul moves on. And as we go back to Philippians, it says, you know, it's for your fellowship in the gospel from this first day, from the very first day that I met you guys. And he's thinking back to the time when he met Lydia and he met the jailer. And he's like, you know, man, from the first day, Gosh, I just, I just love you guys. From that very first time that we met, man, I just, I go back to thinking about it. How crazy was that? You know, we're in the jail and we're just singing songs and praising God that we're just, we're jailed and we're tied up and we're, and then all of a sudden there's that big, do you remember that earthquake? Oh my gosh, that was such the Lord. It was awesome. And then the jailer comes in. He's like, oh, I'm going to go kill myself. And, and he's just, he's just having a great time. He's just, oh, can you believe this? Oh my gosh, it's just great memories. Then the dude gets saved and his whole family gets saved. Oh, man, I just I just love you guys so much. And then he looks at him as they've they've grown and they've matured like a child as 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 about to graduate. And and you've seen them as they've grown. And and all of a sudden here they are, you know, the Philippian church. And now they're strong. And they're, they're mighty in their faith with God. And they're, they're, again, he's not writing as a rebuke to them. They're, he's encouraging them. Why? Because it's a strong church. They're, they're raised well and they're doing things the right way. He says, oh man, from the first day until now, man, I just, your fellowship in the gospel, man, I, I just love it. And, and because of that, man, he goes into verse six, it says, man, because of that, being confident of this very thing, the very thing that I've just talked about, the last several verses, this very thing, man, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, Christ, who has began a good work in, will you, in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This great work that, that I see that he started within you, within this church, man, I am so confident, man, that I, I believe it, I trust it. Man, it's, it's the work of the gospel that he is just, he's just doing a great thing. This was one of, this is one of my memory verses for my life, my life verse, is that, again, as times get hard, I just, I go, I go back to this verse and go, you know what? The Lord, I know, man, that, that I, I am faithful of this, that you who began a good work in me, you're gonna be faithful. I may not be faithful. I, I may struggle and I may have hard times, but I know this, man. I know that the Lord is faithful, that he's going to complete the good work that he started within me. That as he brings me back in line and says, Kevin, I get, get, get back over here and get back on the path that you and I are on. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship. We are his poem. He's crea- we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Says as we're he's as Paul looks at him and says, Man, I'm confident of this very thing that, that he who made good works from you from the beginning of time, he's gonna be faithful to complete those things within you. He moves on in seven and eight and he says, Just as as it is right for me to think this thing of you all, because I have you within my heart, and as much as, as in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. 
For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this affection here, this is in the King James, if you're reading King James, uh, anybody of King James? No? Huh? Ah, full time, nice. So King James, is, is it actually says it's, it's the bowels. Okay, it's the bowels. And, and after last week, I don't want to go too deep, deep into bowels, but bowels is like that, that deep pit within your stomach, right? You get me? So, uh, so it's that deep pit that's inside of it. And, and that's more like, they, they believe at the time, that's where the, like the violent passions and, and love came from. It's deep within that, that, that gut. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have those times where you're either like really, really angry or, or you just got this love, you're just smitten with somebody and you're just, it's just down here, right? You know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? I mean, it's just down there. You just feel it. And you're like, where, where is that coming from? What, what is that? Well, that's what it is. It's that affection that he's talking about. It just, it's coming from down here. It's not, it's not just, oh, I've kind of liked that church. You're kind of nice. No, man, you guys have taken over my heart. You guys have taken over my feelings. It's just that, that deep pit feeling in my stomach. And again, it's, it's the fellowship. Why? I just look at you guys. And again, going back to that fellowship is this, man, you've just, You've done so much with me, whether I'm here in, in chains, because again, remember, Paul's writing this in jail. He's writing this to a letter to them. And he's got a, a Roman soldier probably next to him, and he's just writing this letter to him. Whether you're partaking this time in jail with me, whether you're just providing for me, whatever that I've done, wherever I'm at, man, you guys are just with me. You've been there for me. And it's almost, it's almost like embarrassing how much he just, how greatly I, I long for you all again. He just, again, he just continues to pour out. I think it's one of the Thessalonians letters that he writes that it's, it's almost like a love letter to them too that he just, he just pours it out on them. I think the Philippian church is, is, is up there too. It says, you know, you basically is, is you cry and we cry. You rejoice and we rejoice. And again, that's what it's about. Is it not Christian? It's just partaking and, and loving on them. Moves into verse nine and, and this I pray. And can I again, again remind you guys that real men and real women pray? Real men and real women get on their knees before the Lord and pray. Real men and real women lift up prayers for other people. Real, it, it's not a sign of weakness. As I, I think sometimes it's, it's, you know, as, as, Especially, I'll speak for the guys. I don't want to speak for the ladies. As you know, we typically want to whatever I can do within my own flesh is what I'm going to do first. Why? Because I, that's something that I can tangibly do. And then it's a it's a point of well, that didn't work. Let me let me go before the Lord and get on my knee and bow before Him. And and it's not a point where I'm I think that I'm literally thinking that through of of just a prideful way of oh I've got to go to the Lord now and bend my knee before Him. I don't think that. I think part of my flesh maybe is. Is why? Because I still want to do it on my own. I want to be able to to show the Lord that I'm I'm strong and, and, and mighty indeed. But your mighty indeed is is nothing again. Remember, and again as I as I go before the Lord and I become humble before Him, and again that's where God enacts all those abilities and all those talents that are within you to be able to accomplish His goal. And again, too many times I'm worried about my goal and my own wants and my own desires, that I forget that it's, it's again, it's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Remember, I've, I'm being crucified with Christ, and as I continue to rise up within my own flesh, so many times I have to beat that down and go, gosh, get the flesh down. 
Real men and real women of God pray. Well, what does Paul pray for? He, well, the first thing he prays, he says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. This Lord love is agape, and, and it's referenced in, in Philippians 2. I'll turn there real quick. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you real quick. It says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Again, it's it's the same love, and and as Paul is sitting there talking to them, he's it's just I, again I, I, I that your love, that your fellowship, that your that your one like mindedness would continue to stay together. That as you as a church, as as we as a church this morning are not working off in factions of ourselves. Well, I'm going to kind of do this, and I'm you know what I don't care. PD's not there. Well, then somebody needs to do this, and I'm just going to go do it. Oh yeah, well I'm going to go do this now. Why? Because PD's not there, and I'm going to you know we all just start breaking off into factions. And and Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We we again, just a reminder, just again work with one mind, one like mindedness. Why? Because again, it's it's not about this church or PD or anything. It's about it's about the Lord, is it not? So again, as we work together one-mindedness for the greater calling of Jesus Christ, that you may abound is, is to, to excel still more, to, to increase in excellence. That I may abound more is to, I want you guys, this church, to just increase in excellence. I want you to grow. And what does he want to increase in excellence in? It's, one is knowledge of things ethical and divine. To, to be pre- precise and correct in knowledge. I, I want you not just to, to, I want you to, to understand to have be precise in the knowledge that you have. Have an excellence. And when you study the Word of God, it's not a point of just, hey man, I, I read the Word today, but that there's an excellence in it. That you, that you've dug in a little bit deeper. That as you've looked at this and you're like, man, man, what does that word mean? What, what is, what does abound mean? That you take the extra step. That you, you have a greater desire. So I, I don't want to just kind of move through life and I don't want to kind of move through my Christianity is I want to, I want to be excellent in what I believe in. Why? Again, not so that Kevin gets puffed up and there's some great glory to go to Kevin, but know that my excellent would be in the Lord. So somebody would say, man, that guy really, he gets it, man. He knows his word. Don't mess with him. If you got a question, you go ask him. Why? Because he knows it. Why? Because he's excellent. He's taking the next step. He's, he's had a desire not to just kind of move through life and whatever it is. Man, I want to know more. I want to know more. That you would have discernment. And discernment is, is a judgment. It's an, it's an understanding of ethical matters. We need a lot of that today. How do we gain this knowledge? Well, again, going back, I, I think it's as it's easy as starting to study the God's Word, that you would have an understanding of it. Ethical matters today, I mean, I don't want to get into that side, but I mean, again, I, I will. Again, I have this, I've had this in my Bible. I've mentioned this before since 2000. From Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, about 2001, something like that, too. And it's talking about fearfully and wonderfully made about the abortion, Broward County Right to Life Foundation. This is back then. It says, here in Broward, abortions took the lives of some 13,000 children in Broward County alone. 
Broward County, one county, I'm not talking about the state of Florida. Here in Broward County, abortions took the lives of some 13,000 children in 2000. Two, the year 2000, one year. That's 36 a day, and it's illegal. It's legal, or so the U.S. Supreme Court said so. January 22nd, 1973, that when it's ruled that children not yet born are not persons under the law. That, that was in 2000, 13,000 kids. Dare I say that it's probably higher than that now? And, and so you've got a state in Alabama that passes a law, and you would have thought that we got attacked by ISIS again. I mean, it was just the, the news that's been covered it and how they're comparing them to being so old-fashioned that there's some kind of a war on women. And again, you know, we've, you, we joke about it that, you know, there's certain animals, certain animals, snails and things like that, that you can't kill and not go to jail, but an unborn fetus is perfectly allowed to kill. And so, again, as I say that, as understanding what ethical matters are, Christians, if you, again, if you're like, Kevin, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to pray for. You know, I just get there and I'm like, I don't know. Pray for your country. Pray that they would have an understanding of what a value of life is. I mean, do we really have to have that? I mean, is it, are people that blind that they don't understand that it's not about a woman's right? I'm not invading a woman's right. It has no nothing to do with whether what job she can get or what career she can go after or or anything else that any woman. I mean, I've told you before, Christine is light years smarter than me. Okay, so it's not a point of of who's educated and not educated. I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with somebody dying just because they just want to. I just don't want the pregnancy right now. That poor child has no right to live. I mean, what, again, what is where's their rights to live? So again, as we we look upon this, and you go, well, what ethical matters? That's that's ethics, is it not? There's no biblical moral compass within this world anymore. And again, dare I say that there will be Christians that will say that there's nothing wrong with abortion. So again, I'm not talking about just the world. Again, I expect what do I expect of the world? I expect of the world to think as the world thinks. Should I not? But but Christian, if if I genuinely have the Holy Spirit within my heart, could I allow that to happen? Could I allow not to get outraged and upset and have a passion for that? To have a passion for an unborn fetus that doesn't allow and doesn't have the right to live within this country? I think that's an outrage. Why is it a moral compass? Well, he wants them to have discernment. Christian, have discernment. Have an understanding of what judgment is. And then have an understanding of what the Word of God says to back it. Don't just say, well, I think this. Because honestly, I don't care what you think. And I hate to sound so staunch in that, but I care what the Word of God thinks. Because there's a lot of well-meaning people that have even different opinions on other things too. Why? Because it's just their opinion. But then when you get back to what the Word of God says, the opinion doesn't match up. Why? Because it's just your opinion. I have lots of opinions. And guess what? Most of them are probably wrong, except in my house. Then they're right. Right, kids? How do we gain knowledge and study the words? We study the Word of God. If you study the Word of God and if you're married, study to be a better married person. If you're single, study to be a better single person. If you're a parent, study to be a better parent. I mean, again, it's it's just a point of I want to have excellence in what I do, 
I, I try to be the best dad that I can possibly be. I, be. I try to be the best husband that I can be. I try to be the best friend that I can possibly be, the best pastor and availability that I can possibly be. I don't even be the best Christian that I can possibly be. Do I not? Again, because again, I don't want to go. Oh, Kevin, you're this, and Kevin, you're awesome, and and it, and I use myself as the illustration because I don't want to call other people. I don't. Re- it doesn't matter to me. Again, as I get older, as I've mentioned before, the more humble I get, to realize it's really not Kevin. Because if you really knew me, you'd be like, dude, that that is just the ultimate showing of grace that there is. Why? Because God just has completely continues to change his heart and change his heart towards people and to have more affection towards people when he's just like kind of done with the conversation. But God's like, no, man, you need to continue to dig in. You need to continue to to love this person and and show compassion and and be Jesus to them right now. God's calling me to to kind of open up your heart a little bit more and and to be able to pour into people. Why? Because I want to be better. I want to have excellence in my faith. Turn over to First Thessalonians real quick. We have time. Two more pages of notes. We have plenty of time. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen. And Paul talking here, he says, and this is just a kind of a, a little litmus test here for you. It says, and if, if you're not highlighted, if you have no markings here, you should have some kind of markings in your Bible. So it says, rejoice always. Pray without... Again, these are just basics. Paul is telling him, rejoice always. Christian, where are you at in your life? Are, are you rejoicing? It doesn't here say, rejoice sometimes. You know, rejoice only when you win the lottery. Rejoice only when Alabama wins, okay? It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't say, pray kind of when you feel like it. Pray once in a while. Pray every other day. Pray because you're praying more than somebody. No, it says pray without ceasing. I mean, have a conversation with God all the time. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to fold your hands and close your eyes to have the only conversation with God. You can be, if you're taking a long trip by yourself, just turn some praise and worship on and just sit there and talk to God about stuff that's going on. I run. I talk to God when I run. I should run more, honestly, but, you know, we, we want to pace that conversation that we have. So, but, um, I'm trying to breathe at the same time, but just pray and talk to God as you're running. Just pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for who? For you. Do not quench the spirit. Don't hold it back. Do not despise prophecies and test all things. Hold fast what is good and abstain from evil, from every form of evil. Christian, these test all things and hold fast what is good. Test them. When things come in from other Christians, I've got something that somebody had sent me and I've got to watch it. Why? Because I've got to test it. I've got to make sure that what this person's watching and into is actually good. I mean, things are changing in this person's life and they're feeling better and this and that, but I haven't watched it. And so there, there are false prophets that were within Christendom, right? So there, you got to watch and make sure that it actually adds up to what the word of God says. So you have to watch these things. You have to test these things. But again, Christian, as you move through your life and as you continue to, to have a relationship with God, you've got to have excellence and you've got to have discernment and judgment. Turn back to Philippians. So he's going to pray and prove that these things are excellent. He also wants to make sure that, that you, that you may approve. Approve means to discern, to, to test, to, to examine, and it's, it's to see if it's genuine or not. 
You know, back in the old days, Pastor Don talks about that they would take, they had some ceramic or something like that. They would take a little bit of wax and they would fill it in and then they would paint it to make it look like it was perfect. Well, then the sun would come out, heat it up, and that matte wax would melt, would it not? And you're like, oh, dude, I bought a forgery. I bought something that's broken. And so the same thing with us is that we're, we're to approve, we're to test these things, we're to examine it for, for excellence. Excellence is, is to distinguish between good and evil, lawful and unlawful. It's to ask, ask questions. Not merely is there no harm, but is there any good and which is best? So as you continue to go through life, it's not just, hey, is this a good thing? Oh, yeah, it's a good thing. Go, well, wait, wait, wait. That's a good thing. But is that the best thing? I mean, is this, is this the best that the Lord wants us to have? Or is this just something that we can go ahead and grab and we're not really in sin? No, I, I want to make sure that what I'm doing and what he's telling them, what he wants them to do is, is make sure that they're, that they have an understanding, that they're proving things, that they're, that they're excellent. Not just lawful and unlawful. I mean, if you have a problem now with lawful and unlawful, then you really need to get back to the basics. I mean, at this point in all of our Christian walks here, as I'm looking around the room, you guys should know what's lawful and unlawful. I'm talking about some of those things that get a little quirkier and that you really need to make sure is this is really the best thing for me to do right now. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You get done watching something and then 20 minutes later, you're like, what in the world am I watching? This isn't the best thing for me to be watching. Christine and I were watching, trying to watch this, the series and we're watching it and we're just like, ah, we can't, we can't, we can't watch this. We just, I mean, the language, and we're just like, okay, we, we, it's off. We just can't do it. Why? Because it's, it's just, it's something that's not glorifying to us. It's not glorifying for the Lord. And we're just like, as much as I'd like to continue to watch this episode, I, this has got to go. The third thing here is, is that you may be sincere as he moves on. First 10 says that you may approve the things that are excellent. The third thing here says that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Sincere here is, is to found pure when examined by the sun's light. That's what I was talking about before. Offense is to, to not, not, not led into sin. It's, it's to be blameless. Your Christian race, guys, how are you, how's your Christian race right now? How are you guys running? Are you guys, are you guys blameless? How are you, how are you running as far as the sin factor? I mean, is there integrity in your walk that you have? Nobody is perfect. But again, every time the men get together and when I have the opportunity to pray is, I always pray that we would walk with integrity. Because a man of, man of integrity is so rare. I don't know how often you guys are in, just the business world is just crazy how there's so many lies and white lies and twistings and everything else and what can we get away with. And it's a point of, where, where's just the integrity? Can you just do what you say you're going to do? Can, can I just look at you and go, oh, you said that? It's done. I don't have to worry about it. Why? You guys are not trying to just rip me off in the back. There's integrity in what... And Christian, are you walking? Are you running that race? That I could look at and say, yeah, that person's got integrity. Do you, have, do you do it with compassion? Do you have compassion towards people around you? Is there grace that you give out, that you pour out? Or you're like, hey, they did me wrong, so I have every right to sit there and just blow them up on the phone. Why? Because, oh, no, you messed up. Now is my turn. Do you have grace and compassion? How long are we supposed to do this for? When you, when you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. 
Again, there's not a time limit here. It's not a point where, God, he, where Paul's looking at him going, hey man, you guys just gotta walk this way until I get back, you know? And when I get back, then we'll, we'll change the rules up a little bit. We'll, we'll do some other things. He says, no, wait, you guys gotta walk with integrity. You guys have gotta walk this walk when? Until Jesus Christ comes back. Until you get to see Jesus, whether you've died or whether he comes and plucks us out of here, that's the way that you've got to walk your life. Well, how are we supposed to do these things? He moves into verse 11 and says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. How is being filled with the fruits of righteousness? Immediately I thought of the the fruit of the Spirit here is Galatians 5.22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is long-suffering, kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And again, such there is no law. People say, well, you can't do anything as a Christian in life. <laughs> no, I, I, I can do all these things here. Against this, I, God says, man, do it as much as you want. There's no law against it. You want to love? Man, love. You want to be joyful? Man, have so much joy. I'm not even telling you to stop having joy. I'm telling you, have more joy. Long-suffering and kindness and goodness, man, just, just blow people away. Against this, there's no law. No, don't blow them away. That wouldn't be really kindness. Joyful. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You've gotten rid of all that other stuff. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking one another, envying one another. Don't sit there and walk around and go, man, I wish I had that dude's talent or I wish I had that ability. I wish I could sing. I'd really like to sing and be up on stage and everybody would be able to see how wonderful I sing. And, and how Don't. What is your talent? Don't provoke other people and don't bring other people down. Let's build each other up. Paul's sitting there saying, look, but, but being filled with the fruits of righteousness, that's how you do these things. You don't, you don't walk through life and just do it on your own ability again through it. It's done through prayer. And as I pray for the Spirit to come upon me and as I pray for the Spirit to just fill me with His fruits, that's how it's done. It's the fruits of righteousness. And Christian, it, why, why do we do any of this? Why do we do any of it? Paul finishes out in verse 11 and says, to the glory and praise of God. And again, as I've said a hundred times today, it's, it's not about what my own personal, oh, Kevin's pride. Kevin's got this. Kevin can do that. Steve can do this. Steve can do that. Or, oh, look at Ashlyn back there. She, no, it has nothing to do with us individually. The only reason that we do any of this the only reason that you, you walk with integrity, the only reason that you, that you live a life that's, 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 that's sound and that you lead others and with excellence and that you abound in perfection, the only reason that you do any of this stuff is only to the glory and praise of God. That's why. I thought of here, I thought of the Jude's doxology in the, in the book of Jude is, in verse 24 it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Verse 25 says, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.